0: Good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you are joining us, our digital audience and uh, our congregation. We are one church, but we got multiple locations, and so we're glad you're with us this morning. Uh, This is going to be a very different uh, service than you're used to, and uh, we're going to lean into relationship goals. You need to type that in chat right now, relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals. And we're leaning into this on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way because we were made for relationship. We were made for relationship with one another. We were made for relationship with our Father, and we were made to find that that long that longing that all of us have to belong. God's the only one that can meet that, and you're going to hear some people share about exactly that today, and you're going to get some practical tools, some stories uh, about how to have healthy relationships from people that have uh, got a little bit of practice doing this. So um, I've got a pretty amazing panel sitting around me, and I'm going to introduce them to you one at a time. Um, everything from my parents who've been married 55 years, 56, because we're rounding up, we're two months away. Um, and so our pastors are here, and some of our congregation are here, and so I'm going to ask some questions. We're going to have a conversation, and you're going to get to enjoy the conversation and kind of sit in on this, and so welcome to Relationship Goals. Let the games begin. So Pastor Marion and Stephanie Dalton, uh, leading this amazing church for 21 years. Are we coming up on 22 now? Coming up on 22 next month. Um, so, you've been married 26 years, two sons. Um, you've, have you learned one or two things? <laughs> oh, she's starting with the mic, I see. When we were practicing this a moment ago, we were running through the whole thing. He said, I just learned that I'm supposed to say yes all the time. Yes, ma'am. Um, so, here's the question that I want to start out this conversation with, and that is, we've all got areas to grow in. Um, None of us are perfect. We're all under construction. So in your marriage of 26 years, what does growth look like? You know, we need transformation. So has it been mentors? Has it been him doing work and you doing work? You praying for God to fix him? I I don't know. Um, Has it been, what's transformation and growth look like? How do you be intentional about that?
1: I think uh, from the very beginning, we were pretty intentional about growing one of the things that we talked about from the very beginning was that we would grow together. So, um, you know, when you watch other marriages, other people, you begin to learn from their marriages as well. And you would see marriages that seem to be almost a misfit, like one had continued to grow in the relationship, uh, in their life, in their wisdom and their knowledge, and the other one just kind of stayed stagnant. As the years go on, that gap became much larger. So from the very beginning, we were very intentional to say, let's grow together. And when we feel like one or the other is not growing, we gave each other permission to communicate to each other, um, hey, what about this area? And he would say to me, where you at on this? I, you know, and we could Sounds sit and really talk nice about right it. Now, <laughs>
0: like- I was going to say, that wasn't always smooth, was it?
1: <laughs> okay. So you want to answer more? The- <laughs> That's the, that's the nice version of it. So when you're saying like, hey, I feel like you need to work on that, from either side it could be more like, you need to get it together, son. Or, <laughs> Okay, you want to? You know, I think the other thing, real quick, is we also from the very beginning said we would never compete with one another, that while each other were growing, we would take that as, I want to grow with that person, not they're leaving behind or it becomes a competition of who can grow faster or quicker.
0: I'm going to chime in on that because I've watched it for 21 years as I've served them uh, in this ministry, and it's a powerful thing when you can celebrate each other's successes and you cheer each other on, and there's, ne- I mean, 21 years, like I've seen it all, but I've, that's one thing I've never seen. Uh, I've seen ups and downs, but I've never seen you two compete with each other and try to outdo each other. And it's been a beautiful thing to see.
2: Yeah, I I agree. And I think the, the most important part for us, because we know we were both called to ministry, but my prayer was a threefold prayer for a wife. And that was, number one, I wanted a wife that had her own relationship with God, that she was focused on growing with God herself. Then number two, I wanted a wife that you know, that I was attracted to, and she was attracted to me. That's really important, too, guys. That's important. (laughs) At number three, I wanted a wife that had, you know, her own calling in a sense. It didn't mean she had to be up front, but she knew she was called to kingdom, right? So that was critical, and then that obviously was a key component for Steph and I, and and she had that similar as well, and we did agree to never compete with one another, And then the second thing was that we would never, you know, go to sleep without apologizing or making up or whatever we need to do. And, you know, so that's been really key. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. Yeah, right. (laughs) Only a
0: couple times.
2: Yeah, and I think those are key components. Now, it doesn't always work out that way to where, oh, you know, we know we're going to do this and we worked and we prayed about this and that. You know, if you're not married, now you have the opportunity. But if you're married and you're in the middle of this thing, you know, it's time to just pull back and begin to get along together and really talk through and hear one another. I think that's the biggest problem in marriages is hearing. And and you can't grow without self-awareness. And self-awareness, you don't have self-awareness if you're not listening and feeling empathy to the point you understand. And I think one of the key things, guys, I've learned in these, well, we dated and were engaged for three and a half years, so almost 30 years, is uh, you don't ever – Try to correct the problem immediately, because men—that's what we want to do, right?
0: Fix, fix, Growing fix. Growing to the
2: point. Stop being the fixer. Start being the listener, and things will be a lot better for you.
0: The wisdom. We're just going to end right now. You guys are good to go. Learn, learn to listen. I tell you what, though, for the singles watching this right now, um, that whole "don't go to bed angry." Hmm. I don't know. Singles, have you ever had to learn that as well, right? Um, that you learning to let go and release things is such a gift. Okay, so just time in on that one real quick, like the going to bed angry, like not holding on to anger. I know you got something you can add there. you got to use the microphone, though.
3: When you have to preach the next day, (laughs) uh, it drives you to say things that you would be reluctant to say. Um, I, I heard a phrase a long time ago, do you know what you call an argument in a Christian marriage? Intense moments of fellowship. Uh, we've had that. It. But again, it, uh, we just shared with friends of ours over the last weekend that 55-plus years of marriage, we still go to bed and we hold hands. We go to sleep holding hands. Uh, that's, that's just what we've done.
0: And they, they're they so cute when they're walking out in public. They're just holding hands all the time, people all the time. I was like, I want that.
2: Well, you know, what's so key about that, Tom, people say, I wish our marriage was more intimate. Well, start with holding hands. Start yes. with being kind to one another. It's like, I wish my husband was intimate with me. Well, you know, hold hands. Or I wish she was intimate with me. Well, be kind. Do things. For it's the small things that keep the intimacy, isn't it? It's not the big, oh, we're going to go on a trip and everything's going to get better, you know. And one of the things I've told couples in premarital counseling
3: as a homework assignment, nauseate your friends with how much in love you are. It'll keep your love alive and it'll cause them to get in fights on the way home. (laughs) Why don't, why don't you treat me the way pastor treats Stephanie? Beautiful.
0: beautiful. Uh, They they live it. Okay. So this is good. Um, let's get a, a single voice into the mix here. And uh, because this isn't you know, relationship goals, we're made for relationship, right? This isn't just if you're married, um, but we are all made for community and made for relationship. So we want to get represented some other voices. So, Jessica, um, you've been here, how long have you been in Bethel now? Almost four years. Almost four years. Yeah. And I've had, we've, many of us have had the privilege of watching you grow and the journey. And so, um, you know, you've been in one of our, our leadership groups with me. I've watched the journey. So what the, what I wanted to ask you is this, this whole transformation, you know, when you're single, you, you've got the stuff to deal with, just like people that have gotten married, but now's your opportunity to be able to kind of deal with those sore p- spots on your heart. Yeah. So what have you learned? What's God been teaching you during this time of singleness to kind of grow through that?
4: Uh, well, dealing with my sore spots has definitely not been easy. <laughs> so the process of that, dealing with... Um, The tough parts of my heart, I have to be honest with what's really going on in my heart. And the process, honestly, has been very painful at times. But I truly believe that God reveals to heal. And so through this process, it's been painful at times, but he's led me to that pain to completely heal the pain. And so a huge transformation has taken place in my life because of that.
0: So... What, what has been part of the process of helping you do some of that as far as, like, getting honest about, okay, have you done that on your own? Has you, have you been in groups? Have you, were, like, ca- I think counseling is a wonderful thing, by the way. Yes. Um, I, I have a journal, which is a lot cheaper than counseling. I recommend that. It <laughs> kept me from sleeping on the couch many years in my, how many years I've been married now? Twenty-two. Yeah, the same amount as the church because we got married and we started attending the church. Um So, but what's been part of that process for you?
4: Uh, It's definitely not been doing it on my own. It's been reaching out, especially when I'm struggling and I can't process it all on my own. I reach out uh, to my friends, to pastors, to uh, people who are close to me. And so that's been extremely important, not doing this journey alone.
0: So, hey, singles, you're not alone. Everybody watching right now, please, in the comments right now, just type... I'm not alone because no one watching this is alone. And isolation is a pretty tough thing. I'm guessing there was once or twice you got isolated and it didn't yeah. go well.
4: True. Yeah. 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 That, but that's not just yeah. you. That's all of
0: us here. So whether we're married or not. So uh, I love this. Anybody, as far as like this idea of like doing the work, working on yourself, anybody else want to chime in to...
1: So there's something. <laughs> so there's something that Marion would say a lot. So he he's a couple years older than me, and uh, when so when we were dating, he he would share that God really took him through a process, and I'll let you put it in your own words. But it was it was specifically that two halves don't make a whole.
2: You want to want to read yeah. yeah, because I gave my life to Christ at 21, so you know I had a journey before Steph and I was married, and the big thing I was always like, well, Lord. You know, who's this lady that, you know, we're going to spend the rest of our life together and do ministry, whatever, you know, it is. And but what I failed to realize after a couple failed relationships and that was it was really preparing myself and and being whole with God, not looking for someone else to make me whole. You know, and that's really the key, I think, in anything, whether it's marriage or career or ministry or whatever, is we're whole because we are one with Him. And that's the key.
0: So good. Two halves. Like, if you're both half full and then you have to fill the other person up, then you're empty. Right. So you have to be whole before you come into a relationship. So way to do the work, Jessica. So mom and dad... If you didn't if I, I think I said that earlier. this is my mom and dad. they're awesome. They drove in from Ohio to be here. So how long have you been in ministry and now officially retired, but that doesn't mean too much for them. And how long have you been married?
3: In ministry together, 47 years. and in marriage, 55 plus.
0: <laughs> wow. It's pretty awesome. So, have you learned anything in that time? So 55 years of marriage. What's been one of the biggest lessons you've learned in 55 years?
3: The easiest thing to say, I have to give some background. 95% of the time, Sherry calls me honey, and I call her sweetheart. That, that's, that's our names. If she's mildly irritated or needs to get my attention, she will call me Tom. If I've crossed over a line... She calls me Elwood. Look out! Which is my given name. We went into marriage, committing to communication. We're going to be honest with each other on everything, and we were. But Mark, you mentioned something the other day about safe what safe
0: safe harbor safe
3: harbor. We train ourselves. These are safe to talk about. These I'm not sure that they're safe. We had a growing, loving relationship. And about four and a half years into our marriage, um, we had gotten married, I was 20, she was 19. We didn't want to have children for a few years. So four and a half years into the marriage, we're expecting our first child. And we went to the OBGYN doctor for the first appointment and I went with her. I was quiet. He was a male doctor, I thought an arrogant male doctor, but a good doctor. and. I, was, I wasn't jealous, I was immature and insecure. So we went to the appointment, after the appointment was over, we went to a fancy restaurant, Steak and Shake, and we pulled into the parking lot, and Sherry said, honey, are you upset about something? I said, no, I'm just tired, I lied. I knew exactly what was bothering me. We ate. On the way out, she said, Tom, something is up. Nothing, I'm just tired. We got in the car. I can tell you where we were sitting. She said, okay, what' out with it. <laughs> I chose to be honest with her. I said, sweetheart, I know exactly what's wrong, and I will tell you, you've got to promise not to laugh. She promised not to laugh, and I told her. I'm struggling. You're in a room with a male doctor. I've never been in an OBGYN appointment, but I just didn't want to go there. She didn't laugh. Now, here's what happens in too many marriages. She told me later, I sure wanted to laugh. (laughs) Elwood, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say. But she made me a promise, and she didn't laugh. She explained everything that happened. First thing she said, there was always a, a female nurse in the room, I was relieved. I didn't trust the doctor, I trusted her. But it opened up a deeper level of communication and it said, I can tell her anything and it's a safe harbor. That's transformed our marriage and it has given us open communication. I don't have to worry, is she gonna laugh at me? and. Tagging in on 47 years of ministry, the marriages that I have seen fall apart because one or the other laughed when somebody brought up something that was deep inside of them.
0: Well, that was was worth coming for this morning. Um, Safe harbor. So, if if you're a couple and your spouse doesn't open up, or they may even seem shut off, closed off, they never tell you what they're feeling or thinking… I bet if you tried to trace back, there was a time they came to you and shared something vulnerable, and you weren't safe. So you might need to apologize, repent even, and begin to bring that healing and become a safe harbor for your spouse.
3: Yeah. Mark, I got to jump in. Two times within sight of two weeks of ministry, I was counseling a couple, and they were part of the church, but their marriage was falling apart. It didn't survive. I asked them in counseling, I said, how long has your marriage been going bad? And he said, guys are kind of dense. But he said, "Oh, I don't know, two or three months. She looked at him and said, seven years ago Thanksgiving at your parents' house. And I said, what happened? He said something incredibly stupid and I looked at him and I said, tell me you didn't say that and he said i did now whose fault was it the marriage died his for saying it or her for not telling it. for never telling a it. week later another couple asked the same question how long oh two or three months she said eight years ago christmas at my family's house wow. mm. they knew exactly when it happened wow. so what you said mark uh, ask your spouse Have I ever shut you off or laughed at you?
0: Relationship goals, people. We're growing here today. Mom, anything to add there on the communication side of things?
5: Well, this is my biggie, that I think that's the most important thing in marriage is communication because that's what builds trust and builds the relationship. And to me, that is talking about everything, no such things as secrets. uh, my example would be money because I know money's a big uh, stumbling block sometimes in marriages. You know, like share everything about money. Like I write the checks, but he knows the budget. He knows what every check's for and where it's going. Um,
0: Check checks are those handwritten things for you younger. <laughs> oh, in our sorry audience. about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're old. Some people still use those.
5: But I mean, seriously, talk about everything and. Ideally, talk about it before you get married. Um, Obviously, you can't pick off everything before you get married, but you know, does he want to have children? Um, Is he willing to? Does he love the Lord? That's your first question, of course. Um, You know, how many children? What kind of style of life are they used to living, or are they thinking of? What are their plans for five years from now? I mean, what's he like to eat? What's his favorite vegetable? He doesn't eat any vegetables, you know. She's not joking. I mean, really think how many things that affects in your life. Um, Everything from what you cook for dinner to um, what you buy um, and what you think is a big purchase or what you think is a little purchase. All those talk about it all, everything. And communication and knowing what the other is thinking and doing in their heart and mind about every little thing then mounts up to a trustful relationship. I
0: love that. So good. Trust, 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 trust. Building trust. You can't build it without communication. It is the foundation of everything. Um, are you single, ladies? Are you learning anything over here? Are you, yes, Are you taking? Definitely. I wish you, you can't take <laughs> notes, but so Tatiana, let's talk to you for a minute. Um, so you've been here at Bethel. How long have you been in the church now?
6: I have been at Bethel officially. I know I joined sometime last year. Okay. I can't remember the exact month, but definitely 2020 was the year of my official membership. You got membership. planted. Yes, I got planted, which was big for me because I like to move around and be adventurous. I'm sure so. no singles
0: out there can relate to that right now. <laughs> um, has it been important? Like, that's totally off script here, but has it been important to get planted in a church?
6: It has changed my life completely. Um, just the stability and the consistency um it really has put me in a well not a 360 because that's the same a 180. um i'm experiencing such growth and like from finances to family relationships to friend relationships i am experiencing growth in a level where i didn't really have that plan for my own life for maybe the next five years, maybe I would see myself there. But where I'm at right now, February 2021, is a completely different place I was at um, around the time that I got planted.
0: Wow. I'm so glad we went off script for a moment and you, you made the comment. Because um, singles like, and here's the thing, there's not a perfect church, but getting planted, whether you're single singer or married, it really doesn't matter. Getting planted is how we flourish in our lives. And that's what I just heard Tatiana describe. She's flourishing. Okay. So let's talk relationships here. Okay, Season of singleness right now for you as well. So what has God been teaching you in that season of singleness and kind of waiting on Him? What have you been learning?
6: So God has been teaching me that He is, and this is going to sound cliche, but He is truly all I need. Like every definition of Anything that I could need, he is that. And I'm getting a new, deeper understanding of why he said to Moses, I'm the great I am. Because he is fill in the blank. Like, when I need a comforter, when I need some validation, when I need a reminder of who I am, when I just want to feel pretty, like, he's literally everything. So I'm, I'm learning that. I'm also, I keep, I keep saying this to my friends that I feel like God is reintroducing himself to me in so many different ways. So that goes in line with what I just said. But it's also like, I thought I already knew him as a provider, wow. but the way that he's been providing for me in ways that I guess I thought he didn't really care or I didn't know I really actually desired those things. Um, he's been opening my eyes to what he does for me, from big things to little things. So I'm falling in love with him. It's a, I was already in love with him. I, I would say I loved God my entire life. Um, I was born in the church and I've known church my entire life. But recently during this past year, um, especially we all know how 2020 was, Um, and I had recently gotten out of a unhealthy relationship that I had been in for quite some time, and it felt like the world was literally over. There was no hope for anything, Um, and the work that God has done in my heart and my mind and the outlook that I have now, it's really like I'm I'm in a relationship with him, and he is he's making me love him more. Every, every time I talk to him, every time I think about his goodness, good. he's good. Like, he's really good. You know, Mark, I
2: want to jump in there. I want everyone to understand this. You're, if you're single and you're saying, is it time? Am I ready? You know, is, is it in my future, in my near future, you know, a serious relationship, maybe marriage? If you can't answer that one question, that he's your everything. You're not ready. Yeah. Because it gets back to what we were talking about the half and the hoe and all that. And that goes over into your career, that goes over into relationships with friends, that goes over into your identity and how you see yourself and and all that. And if you can get to the place where she is right, now, now you're prepared to be open for who God will. And here's the thing that we we sometimes we think God is deaf, blind and dumb or something. I like he doesn't know I'm an idiot and insecure. Come on, you know. He doesn't know I'm silly. He doesn't know that I have these fears or these angers or these whatever. He knows it all. He knows the number of hairs on her head and all that stuff. And so why would he give you that person that is in his plan that you're just going to blow it and mess it up and mess their life up? So it's key, if you can't answer that question that you're whole in him, W-H-O-L-E, in him, you're not ready for any kind of relationship. And there's no thing, am I ready for a a relationship and a serious relationship? That's that's nonsense, you know. No, a relationship is serious. Try it sometimes and see how it feels when it don't work out, right? Any relationship is serious, right? So it's critical to answer that question.
0: I love it. Go ahead.
6: Okay. It's at the point, going off of what Pastor said, it's at the point of I am open, but if there's any danger of that person coming in between the relationship that I'm in right now, then it can't happen. It really, it literally is not an option. That's so
0: true.
6: And notice it's not, the outcome's not, what you're going for is not, I got to be
0: perfect before I can be open. Yeah. Well, relationship's not about perfection. It's about connection. It's about knowing the heart of the Father and knowing that you're whole because you're His. And that doesn't mean you got to have all the answers or be perfect or not have any more issues you're dealing with. But you need to have that wholeness. And like Jess was talking about as well, of like, okay, I've been doing the work. It's, not, it's been painful at times, right? Yes. But been <laughs> committed to doing the work.
4: Yeah, I can add something to that. Um, it kind of made me think when Pastor was talking, I've had to ask myself tough questions. And um, one question that I've been asking myself lately can I answer the question, you know, is God good? Because uh, I'm 36 and marriage is a strong desire in my life. It always has been. And so I've been faced with the reality, you know, of my heart. It, am I questioning God's goodness? But in that process, I finally realized that God's goodness is not tied to my relationship status. And His goodness stands alone. He is good. He is God. And so one day when I am married, it's just going to be a desire fulfilled. It's not necessarily going to be proof of His goodness, because now in my heart, His goodness
2: needs no proof. He is good. You know, marriage is not an event, right? I think so many times, Mark's like, okay, come on, Pastor. So marriage is not an event. Everybody's like, oh, they planned the weddings that you were a little girl, and the guys thought about what this is going to be. You know, they're thinking about the honeymoon, of course, and all that. And then the event happens, and then what? So it's critical to understand what Jess is talking about, that so many times we're looking at this significant other being some event. It's not. It's a journey, right?
0: That's so good. Um, And, I mean, the reality is... (laughs) handing the mic off. Good. Uh, The reality is if you don't do the work, like I'm guessing some of us up here could testify we didn't do as much work as we wish we had before we got married, it just makes the process, the journey a little bit harder. You got to learn it and somebody else is depending on you at the same time. So it's a beautiful thing to do as much of that work as you can beforehand. So if you miss the quote, God's goodness does not depend on my relationship status. I was like, somebody tweet that fast. <laughs> His good. goodness does not depend on my relationship status. It was beautiful. That's good. Um, okay. What's my time like? Okay, I'm, I'm going to come back to Tatiana for a second because you shared something with me that I think some singles in the audience, they just need to hear. The practicality of being in that relationship with him. And you shared like the big things, but also the little things that you think, oh, yes. he didn't care about that.
6: Yes. So um, the big things ranging ranging from very deep level type things like, for example, those lonely nights where it's, and I'm pretty sure everybody can relate to that, just being a human, um, those lonely nights where I'm filling my singleness, like it's almost like a tangible thing. Um, And it's like, why, why is God not giving me this desire, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but it seems like it's not working. Maybe I should just call somebody that I know will probably answer right now, just for some sort of validation. Um, Maybe I should question the goodness of God. Um, it's, It's those dark moments. And in times like those where I feel like I don't have anybody to talk to, I have friends, I have family, but you know what I mean. It's like being single, you feel like you don't have that person. Um, and it can hurt, but when, I'm, when I verbalize those things to God, and I'm like, this is how I'm feeling. I am lonely. Like when I get really real with him, it's like there's somebody in my bed, listening to me. And I know the um, the scripture says, for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by our infirmities. So I know that it's not like God is just looking down on me, like go through it, like just emotionless and not understanding how I feel. I know that by the end of that conversation with God, there's this peace and there's this Um, this assurance that whatever I'm in right now, whatever, however I'm feeling, whatever I'm dealing with, it's his best plan for me. It's his, he's good. He can't be anything but good. So if I'm in his will, that's the best place I could be. So, and then that's the big thing. And the little thing, little thing is like, um, chicken nuggets. So, being single, you kind of feel like you don't have somebody to just do small things like, I don't know, bring you some food or something like that. But there was this one time last week, and I, I live with my parents, as a lot of you guys know, um, but for some reason, so I'm 25, but for some reason, my parents feel like I should be paying for my own food. I don't know. Yes. I don't understand this concept. <laughs> But uh, my mom told me that she was coming home with McDonald's, and if I wanted anything, I knew that was code for, are you gonna pay for your food? And I was like, no, because I'm trying to save my money right now. So even though I really wanted McDonald's, I really wanted some McDonald's. So she comes home, and she got food for the kids and stuff. And she calls me downstairs, and I'm like, okay, did she get me something? But she was like, you must have been praying. because look in the bag and there was a 10 piece chicken nugget in there. Yes, they it was just for free. They just put it in there and it felt like God was speaking to me very personally. Like I don't think anybody in the world would have appreciated those chicken nuggets in that moment. And it felt like it, it felt like a real relationship.
0: He brought you chicken nuggets. Yes. (laughs) So a a big theme from everything you guys are sharing, just as we're talking to the single audience, like, and again, this goes for everybody. I mean, these are beautiful life lessons. Let's not act like God doesn't know. And pastor said it too. He knows. He knows all the things that are going on, but sometimes we don't even have the conversation to give him the opportunity to meet a need in our heart. We're looking at everybody else. Sometimes we're looking at our spouse to meet a need, and we really ought to stop doing that because God can meet those needs uh, if we just give him an opportunity to do that. Okay. Tracy and Jay, you ready? So, you guys are awesome. How long you guys been married now? 20 years in July. And been together how long? 28 years. Have you got them all fixed up yet, Tracy? <laughs> Working process. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. He's good. <laughs> so like guys, it's been amazing watching your journey here, part of the church family and all. And so I just wanted to ask you, I've seen you on this journey and you've gotten so intentional about growing, becoming who God designed you to be. And so I, I just wanted to ask, how has that process played out for you guys and, and in, in your marriage, that journey of intentional growth to to experience more of what he has for you
7: I actually had I had an idea of what I wanted to say when when this started but after listening to everyone speak a thousand different things kind of rolled through my head and I kind of wanted to start with with me and my in my my misconceptions of what marriage was you know you guys talked about how you wanted your marriage to be with the 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 goals and, and relationship goals that you set. And I remember when I proposed to Tracy, she was shaking her head no because she was already mad at me. I had went out the night before and she, and she had even said it, don't propose to me while I'm pregnant. You know, she was pregnant with Jada and I thought in my mind this will make up for you know me going out and, and you know being myself. And you know she said yes while shaking her head no I'm like you better take this ring you know <laughs> And and uh, so I went into this marriage really with with no in, no real intention of understanding from a from a spiritual perspective what needed to be there. Uh, so we we did a few things backwards. You know, we had you know had Jada before we actually got married. We bought a house before we graduated college. You know, there's a, a lot of different things that we did out of out of way. But for me, the first ten or twelve years of our marriage. I really knew how to love myself. And and it doesn't mean that I didn't love my family and my, my Tracy and my kids, but I always put myself first. And, and I know you, uh, you've probably heard me say it before. And, and I thought that I was good at it until we really had a come to Jesus moment, uh, which reminds me as far as um, the important things about your marriage. When you think that it's at its absolute worst, wait two days, it'll happen again. And then you have to get over, and you need to have Jesus on your side to get through that. So when we when we had our our, our final come to Jesus moment, I guess you you, you call it, um, I really looked back at myself and, and asked myself, what was I doing? You know, like I said, it doesn't doesn't mean that I wasn't loving them or loving them right. It's just that I wasn't loving them the way they needed to be loved. And and even though I thought that I was loving myself. God showed me that I wasn't even loving myself right because the love that I needed to be given myself came from them and how I how I needed to treat them so uh, it was it was a transition for me to understand where I needed to be at and and it didn't change until we became planted in into the church and I, I have to I know the man's the head of the house and but I have to give the lead to this to Tracy because you know we started going going to church together and you know, I think that it was working for her, but it really wasn't working for me. I was kind of going through the motions. I knew that I was changing, but, you know, it was, we were coming, and even with tithing, it was just like, I know how to best spend my money. I'm going to give the church this much, you know, and, and it wasn't the 10%. And, and uh, you know, again, that's another thing that changed, but then Tracy said, I want to do more. I'm like, well, you go ahead and do more. So she, she started volunteering. And I'm looking from the side and she's like, well, she's going to go do it. I'm not going to let her do it by herself. You know, she's not going to grow without me. So she volunteered for the parking lot and, and, uh, uh I went with her. So the next thing you know, we're leading parking lot. And then core groups came up and she's like, I want to do that. I'm like, why would you want to go and do that? But if you're going to do it, I guess I'm going to do it with you. I'm not going to let you do it by yourself. So we go to the core groups and Three years into it, we're still attending core groups, yeah. and, and uh, then Geek Marriage comes up. I'm like, "You want to pay how much to do what? <laughs> you know, we, uh, no, no, but you really want to do it? And it's like, okay, if you really want to do it, we do it. And then the next year, we so come geek in. Geek Marriage is a marriage yeah. retreat that we do. Yes, and yes. so Just to let you know. And we come out of Geek Marriage the first time, and it's like, all right, let's start saving for next year. You know, it's just those types of things. So that'll that'll transition me into you know how have have we grown, and and that's that's what I see all the things that's happened to us, in my in, in my opinion, is through open doors. God kind of opened up all these doors for me to be able to love them so they can love me to, to make me a better person. And he kept all the doors that needed to be shut, shut. And we're walking into core groups and geek marriage and, you know, parking lot and all these different things. And that's that's the thing that's grown us together that that just weren't there before because our our ideas of what was important my ideas was important was hanging with my friends and shooting pool and playing basketball and all these other kind of things and I'll be home when I get home you know and 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 I look back at those times now it's like if we would have started this 15 years ago where would we be now mm-hmm. you know it's um, one wow. one of the one of the quotes that I wrote down in our first geek Greek marriage we looked at the book is uh, where do you see your marriage at right now? And during that first geek marriage, I said, uh, a seven or eight. And it's like, why do you see it as a seven or eight? And I said, I know it's not perfect because, and I don't want it to be perfect because if you think it's perfect, there's no growth. And, um, I I wrote that down and I still feel the same way. You know, our marriage is a seven or eight and it's a seven or eight now means a lot. It's different than what a seven or eight was back then. So, uh, I give you a chance to say. So, <laughs> say what's on your mind. Tracy, I'm gonna ask you so, because you
0: experienced firsthand the transformation, mm-hmm. what would you say is the biggest change in your husband when he's had this whole heart transformation? How's that changed how he shows up? How would you describe that?
8: Um, before, Jay was present whenever we went somewhere, you know, but he was, it was all about him. I'll give you an example like, we go to our neighborhood pool. I'd go to the pool because I'd always get ready first and I'd have the kids and I'd take them up there and be there, right? I'd go and I'd go find seats, set everything up. And Jay's at home doing his push-ups, doing this, to make himself look good. So when he walks into the pool, he looks good. And that's how Jay always has been. He always wants to make sure he looks good. And, and so then when he You do com- look good, Jay. <laughs> so then when he, when he uh, would show up at the pool... Oh, everybody would stop him as he's coming in. He'd chit-chat. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, yeah. And he'd chit-chat with everybody all the way down. And here I am, like, hello, I'm over here, you know. And I, and I was never, I never felt like I was important. I always felt like he was more important than me. And, um, and so when, you know, if I were to tell you, five years ago we were contemplating divorce, people would probably not believe that, you know, because they see us how we are today and not how we were five years ago. And um, and when we had that moment of, I just can't do this anymore, um, is when I had my first encounter with Jesus. Um, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't um, I mean, I was baptized as a kid, as, you know, in Catholicism, and, but I never went to church. We never attended. We, um, my mom was raised in uh, all-girl Catholic school, and so she didn't want to push that on her kids. And then, um, and then, but I wanted to know about Jesus, but we just never went, you know? So I didn't have the opportunity. Jay grew up in church, and so when I would say, I want to go to church, he'd just be like, okay. You know, like he wasn't ever like, he didn't crave what I was craving, and um, so when this moment, ha- like right before this moment happened, I felt like our life was crazy. Like our entire family was crazy and out of control. And I just said, I think we need to go somewhere that can help us get our stuff together. You know, wow. it, it wasn't like we were arguing or yelling at each other. We, I just felt like everything was out of my hands. I couldn't hold on to anything anymore. And um, so I said, we're going to start going to church. And that's what we're And that, that's when we came back here. And because this is our second time here, and um, and we started coming back, and I was, um, and Jay that's when Jay was like going through the motions, you know, like, okay, okay, and and um, and then I, at some point, I was just like, I, I need more, like, I just need more. And um, and so I went walking around the house one night, and Jay was inside, and I was watching him from a window, and God told me. If you go back in there and you forgive him, I will give you the best you can ever imagine. And I said, oh, I heard that, you know. And it was very overwhelming for me because I had never experienced anything. And um, so I walked in and I went downstairs and I I told Jay, I said, look, we're going to make this work. And we're going to get through this. And Mm. I mean, because, you know, he had already asked, like, if divorce is what you want, then... You know, he was kind of like, whatever works, you know. And um, and that's when I came to church, and I was like, I started signing up for stuff. I was like, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to grow. Like, I need to do something, you know, because, number one, God just told me. And then since that day, Jay is the guy that comes into the room. He finds me and gives comes and gives me a kiss before he even speaks to somebody else. Oh, he, got, like, you know, comes to the pool he walks right by everybody and brings and comes and checks to make sure you got everything you want. You need anything everywhere we go. He walks in and it's like, I'm important now, you know, and I, I am a part of this marriage and I do matter. And, um, and it it wasn't for not, grow, not trying to just, I had to do something, you know, saying I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get there. And, um, and sometimes you're walking blindly in faith and you don't even know it until after you're through it. And you look back and you're like, oh my God, I could have given up the best thing that's ever happened to me by not putting wow. in the work. Wow. You know, wow.
2: You know and, and there's such a power in there, Tom and Sherry, in forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It was that little quiet voice, the Holy Spirit. You got planted. You didn't understand what planning was. You're coming. You're hearing the messages. Now you're, but you took that walk and you heard the Holy Spirit, that small voice, and you obeyed. Mm -hmm. And you apologized in your own way to him, but it, it released something in you. And a lot of times we want our spouse to be something that we expect, but we're the ones holding it back. Even if they have done a lot of stuff as junk or wrong, if our heart's not right, there's no way to expect them to have transformation. So when you're one in God, when you leave and you become one, you're one. So if one's broken, the whole thing's broken. And there's such power in forgiveness and releasing the other because then all of a sudden they don't even understand. It's like a spell. They don't even understand until they, you, you can tell someone what grace is, but man, until you get it, yeah. you know, and then that's what brings the wholeness to the to the mm-hmm. marriage, and 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 then you started seeing the real you, right. and he and the real him, yes. and he's been seeing the real. And I mean, with Jay, what you, what makes you want to go, you know, hug her when you come into the room now versus then? What makes you want to go set things up the pool versus having heard you all that? There's something that happened.
7: I realized that the love that I needed to give was not for myself. You know, it's, I love what she does for me. I love the feedback that I get from her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, walking into a room and getting that, that makes me feel good. You know, why not take advantage of what you have right here in front of you because you're not promised it every day. You know, you're not promised it tomorrow. I almost lost it and you know, didn't realize it. So Yeah,
2: and see that power, and I'll, I'll stop, but that power of releasing, right? When she released you, you know, you didn't have to have this facade that you'd been in for 10, 12 years or however long, yeah. right? It, it, you could start over, yeah. and then you could be who you knew you needed to be.
7: My key word was surrender. Surrender. And, I, and, and I didn't know what it meant until it happened, you know. And, wow, and, and, and I powerful, surrendered man. myself, you know, not only to God but to Tracy that, you know, I want you to have all of me. Wow, and and you didn't that's have that's it for true. so long. So
0: That might true. be a good moment to type surrender in the comments yeah. right now you know, I'll just kind of piggyback as we kind of wrap this up. Um, You guys are amazing. Like, I mean, is everybody, I'm just kind of sitting up here in awe of what's been shared and the stories and the growth and the transformation. Um, But just to kind of connect with that last story, I'll just do a personal thing to say, my wife and I went through a very, very dark time in our marriage, and I was a miserable person to live with. And she read a book called The Power of a Praying Wife. And when she read that book, her takeaway was, I need to stop Stop praying for God to change Mark uh, and start praying for God to change my heart towards Mark. And that's what I just heard, what you were saying, and what you were saying with release of, hey, and what you ladies share with the work that you're doing. Like, it's painful, it's not easy, and those lonely nights aren't easy. Um, But you know what? God's doing something in us, and He's teaching us to have a relationship. I'm pretty sure there's some married folk out there that tonight they were like, I want that relationship with Jesus like she has. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a decision, right? We can all get to that place. And uh, we were made for relationship, and we can't survive without it, and we thrive. Like, you can try to thrive on your own. And even like Jessica was saying, like, I had to bring other people in on the journey. You, you're not going to do it on your own. You were made to be connected in community and in relationship. So uh, I just want to pray over relationships mm-hmm. uh, right now as we wrap up. you want to pray, Pastor Ray?
2: Sure. Let's have Pastor Tom pray. He's
3: he's, he's the one that's done this long. You got seniority. Can I share one thing? Pastor, you were talking about grace, and I've studied it. I've preached it. I saw something on a deeply spiritual venue the other day, Facebook, (laughs) and it simply said when God puts a call on your life, he's already factored in your brokenness and your stupidity. That. Amen. That that's grace.
0: That's grace. So,
3: let's pray. <laughs> Father, we give you thanks for the way you love us. You loved us before we ever thought about loving you. We thank you for the testimonies around this circle tonight, for the way you've worked so differently and yet so beautifully in singles and in married couples to bring healing and wholeness to promote joy and peace and to be a reflection of you to everyone that we meet. Anoint us with your spirit that we might radiate your love in such a way that people will be hungry for more of you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you for being with us today. We will see you next week.